This is Brand and New from the International Trademark Association. This podcast series explores changes and dynamics in the legal world, now and tomorrow, with a focus on intellectual property. Welcome to Brand and New. I am Audrey Dove. In an economy where intangibles increasingly drive economic growth, reporting to shareholders, lenders, and the market more generally on substantial IP assets, IP management, and IP strategies have become an expectation for any company, whether young or established. Consequently, intellectual property reporting is increasingly impacting the practice of IP professionals across all industries and can constitute a competitive advantage for businesses and their IP departments. However, IP reporting goes way beyond IP inventory and legal management and extends into asset valuation, accounting treatment, therefore requiring cooperation across departments, but also alignment on objectives and the design and implementation of internal processes to support IP reporting through time. To discuss this topic and related trends on IP management, our guest today is no less than INTS 2022 president, Ziger Vink. In the past year, Ziger has served as the chair of the INTA Planning Committee and Advocacy Group and as a member of the Executive and Finance Committees. He has been a member of the INTS board since 2015 and actively engaged in many INTA initiatives through his tenure. Based in Geneva, Switzerland, Ziger Vink is the Intellectual Property Director of the MF Brands Group, the Swiss group that owns fashion and lifestyle brands Lacoste, Gant, Aigle, and the Couples. In this role with the MF Brands Group, he oversees the brand's global IP and brand's protection function. Prior joining MF Brands Group, Ziger was in-house IP counsel at L'Oréal in Paris, in France, where he oversaw global IP protection for several brands. He started his career as an attorney practicing in Amsterdam and in London. Ziggers, thank you so much for accepting our invitation. My pleasure, Audrey. So you've been presiding the INTA for over 10 months now. Before we look at IP reporting, we would be interested in hearing a little bit about the priorities you have embraced since you took on the role of president, the issues you considered critical, and some of the various achievements that you have carried out so far. Yes, well, I think we have to uh, realize where we came from at the beginning of this year, and that is um, the pandemic, of course. And we have had two incredibly difficult years in terms of organization, but also in terms of connection with our members. And um, we had two annual meetings uh, where we were not able to meet in person. And so that was uh, starting to become uh, really difficult. And we um, wanted to go back to in-person meetings. We wanted to have this real contact with our community. And so um, we were very happy that we could have an annual meeting in person. So right from the beginning of the year, we have been planning for that and taking all the precautionary measures that were necessary, of course. So yes, moving out of the pandemic back into in-person contact with our members was uh, a priority. And I think that was also 
very broadly felt by members. And uh, when we had the annual meeting, uh, meetings around that, uh, back with all the people around the table, it was really something, uh, I think, heartfelt by people that they were really happy to be back uh, in person and have this, this real contact. So uh, we have been very busy in accompanying that. And I think uh, it has been uh, a great success. So we were very happy with that. I would say another priority for my term was also that it was the beginning of a new committee term. Uh, so uh, new committees with new people in it. And that is, of course, a very important moment. As you know, INTA is uh, fully committee driven. So what uh, people are doing in those committees is what determines basically the output of this whole organization. And so getting people started and getting on track to uh, perform within these committees was very important. So I was in a way honored to be able to help with that and to make sure that it goes so well. Your presidential task force has been researching IP reporting in depth, providing recommendations to the INTA board of directors in this respect. Before exploring this, can you walk us through the reasons why this topic gained your attention and what are the objectives of this workflow for you and also for the INTA members? I think the underlying idea uh, that I had for quite some time is that uh, there is uh, not enough IP awareness. Um, IP awareness within companies, and of course that has also been my case when uh, for, the, for the companies I've worked for, but I would say IP awareness in general in society, and we as an IP community, we know how important intellectual property is uh, for, for companies, but for society as a whole, but I think we still struggle to communicate that properly. And so um, I thought about how, yeah, how can we improve that? How can we contribute to something that, uh, that helps the IP community create this better understanding, better IP awareness around the IP bubble, if you can say so. And I think that it all starts with good IP reporting. And when you want to talk about something, you have to present it. Uh, you have to explain to people what we're doing. And uh, I think that was the starting point for this uh, project. What does IP reporting mean in practice for businesses? In other words, which departments and resources need to be involved for IP reporting to be meaningful and also effective, of course? Well, of course, within IP departments, we, we know what we are doing. And uh, of course, we do reporting to our management, uh, to our direct managers above us. But uh, I think it is important to do that on a wider scale within the company. And so the very natural target should be senior management, eh, the board of a company, uh, because we want to have IP treated as a strategic asset, as something that determines the strategy of the company, perhaps not all companies, but especially the brand-driven companies where the, the, the role of trademarks and design or copyrights, where that dominates the economic activity. I think senior management should be in a way accompanied or coached or at least informed about uh, the importance of IP. So I think that is a really important target group for IP reporting. And I would say that to the extent possible, all employees should be involved in this. Uh, it's a concept that I've been referring to for some time also in the book I wrote on IP management. It's called integrated IP management. We don't want to have IP treated as a standalone activity in a silo, but we want to the extent possible 
all employees have a minimum understanding of how important it is and see their role and how they can contribute to the best possible IP protection. So I think, um, yeah, reaching out to all employees through some sort of IP reporting, uh, whatever form that may take, is also very important in, in getting, this, uh, getting this alive. And what are the best practices that you would want to highlight for our listeners? Any examples of companies leading the way? One of the best practices we've identified is an uh, annual IP report. That is relatively easy to pull off. You put together the essence of what you've been doing over the year, the targets you've been reaching, uh, and also simply the state of IP within your company. It can be an overview of the number of rights, the, uh, the enforcement actions you're doing, important uh, transactions, and publishing that once per year and circulating that within the company, even if you haven't been asked for that, uh, I think that can help a lot. And if you communicate that with management, they will slowly but surely get IP on the radar and they will normally get the reflexes about, okay, yes, now I see suddenly where uh, the importance lies and why we should treat IP uh, not as an ad administrative uh, issue uh, further down the line, but really high up in the rankings where uh, strategic decisions are made. And that is, of course, where we want to go to. I think in terms of best practices, we can also see what the options of uh, internet are today, and we can uh, do e-learnings. Uh, e-learnings are very widely used within companies on all kinds of topics, and new employees have to go through quite a series of e-learnings in general, especially in bigger companies. And I think intellectual property can be one of those e-learnings. And um, especially in the more creative companies where there's a lot of IP involved, um, making those e-learnings mandatory for uh, as, as part of induction programs for new employees, I think that could be uh, really relatively easy to uh, to impose process of uh, making people aware of IP and uh, giving them a minimum knowledge that they can work with. And what about best practices put in place in your company? We have gone through these steps also, and it has been well received. We got some praise for that uh, and we basically we started the dialogue with all these um, non-IP constituencies within the company and that has been uh, a pleasure it has been interesting to uh, to have this conversation on IP with them of course we try to avoid all the technical terms huh? we have to realize that not all the people are uh, lawyers or uh, IP technicians and so when you keep that in mind I think that people will uh, will generally embrace this thought and they will see very early on how important intellectual property is. Um, my company is not a publicly listed company. I think that in terms of best practices for listed companies, uh, they generally publish an uh, annual report. So that is more a, uh, let's say, a management report or financial uh, report that is available publicly. And very often there is an IP chapter. There is uh, something about uh, the description of IP assets. And what I see very often is that those passages or those chapters on intellectual property, they have definitely not been read by an IP specialist. Very often the terminology is not right. They mix up concepts. And so I think that is also a very good practice for any IP department to go through the, uh, their own annual report of their own company and see what is happening there uh, and reach out to the uh, very often the financial department who is in charge of those annual reports and say, hey, can we have a conversation on this? Because uh, we're treating uh, IP here 
and perhaps we can do this uh, together perhaps we can do this better because we can perhaps improve what we are saying and make it more relevant also for management so i would say that's uh, in a way the low-hanging fruit and a very good starting point for further practices there sure seems to be specific milestones in the life cycle of a company when ip reporting would be particularly critical for businesses, thinking of capital raises, M&As and IPOs, where companies are under a higher level of scrutiny from investors and from the market generally. What about on inception and through expansion and consolidation? Is IP reporting more of a governance matter that would remain important even during the less climactic phases of a company's life? For sure, I think it's um, it's a question of life cycle management. IP has many different stages, and I think that should be aligned with the stages that a company is in. And uh, you mentioned the inception of companies, so we're immediately starting to think about startups, uh, SMEs, uh, the, the early phases of a company. It is more and more common that those companies... The only asset they have is intellectual property because they don't own buildings, uh, all other assets they may have like computers or it's all leased or or rented. So um, basically the only thing they have is intellectual property. And so it makes very much sense for those uh, companies uh, to do IP reporting because it gives uh, investors insight in what they are doing, where the real value is. And I think that tremendously increases their funding opportunities also. When you go out there to someone, uh, and whether that's a bank or uh, an angel investor or, or anyone else uh, that you ask for funds, uh, you have to show something. And uh, intellectual property is something that they have. It is the future of the company. And so uh, doing a, a minimum level of IP reporting, I would say, would be very beneficial for companies in those phases. And we've seen that over the years. INTA has some initiatives uh, in this domain also. Personally, I've been coaching some of the startups I've encountered uh, in the last few years. And yeah, doing this type of IP reporting is very beneficial in that stage. In terms of recommendation to those companies, to those uh, entrepreneurs, startups, it's also about control over the company. And very often within uh, the, the startup community, they say you have to be the boss of equity. You should not... Uh, give too many shares to uh, outside investors because otherwise you will dilute your uh, control over the company. And I would say there is a second element that they have to be uh, careful about, and that is their intellectual property. Uh, Who is the owner of the intellectual property? Is it the company or is it the founder of the company or is it the bank that will finance those companies? So yes, careful about equity. Also be careful about IP ownership. Very important in an early stage. You mentioned later stages, life cycle management. The ownership issue is very, very important also when it comes to tax. And the taxation of revenue is very often done in the location where the IP is located. You can think of licensed revenue, licensed revenue coming in through trademarks that are registered somewhere. So the choices that you make, which entity in which country actually owns the intellectual property of a company uh, will determine uh, also the tax treatment and so uh, contributing to, uh, in the end, the bottom line. Those topics are very often a bit neglected out of uh, lack of awareness, but they will determine the success also of companies. 
The tax issue, we have been looking into it within INTA and we uh, issued a report on IP and taxation this year and uh, that is available for INTA members. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. So you mean the IP director at the MF Brands Group for over 12 years, managing a large IP portfolio, including world-famous brands such as Lacoste or The Couples. Based on your practice, so you mentioned that you have seen IP reporting uh, playing out within your company, but have expectations changed on this over the last decade, whether internally but also externally? It has definitely changed. We have been working hard to create the IP awareness that I mentioned earlier. And my company is especially active in, in fashion, fashion and accessories, uh, links to sports. So there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of things that are being designed. It's a fast-paced environment. There are many collections. There's a, there are quick cycles. And so there's this buzz going around all the time about creativity, about design. And so it's extremely important that we give that a right place. Uh, we, of course, have to be careful that we don't step on the toes of competitors. So we need to do clearance, uh, meaning that we want to be involved in the design process to be able to say, hey, this is a, uh, an element where we think there is uh, legal risk and we want to limit that. Uh, and so to work together in the, within the design department as part of the creative process is something that you need to you need to promote, you need to un make people understand why it's important. And so this uh, minimum level of IP awareness ex is extremely important there. I think we've done a good job there. I think we have a very good working relationship between the IP legal department and uh, the design studios. Uh, it's also a big pleasure. It's really fun to be part of that. It's challenging. It is uh, sometimes uh, a confrontation also about on the one hand, you can almost say freedom of expression and, and, and legal security on the other hand, uh, but it's, it's fascinating and creating IP awareness is a foundational element for making that work. IP awareness is also very important when it comes to enforcement. And when you have well-known brands, of course, they are being copied, uh, whether that's by competitors or by counterfeiters. Um, so you will have to protect that. And you cannot do that alone as an IP department. You're also dependent on all the employees everywhere around the world about uh, you're, you're dependent on markets, on your distributors. Uh, and so you want to um, make these people part of the, the IP protection of a company. And so creating the awareness amongst these uh, groups is also very important and working with them, informing them about how important it is, making some sort of internal reporting mechanism that where they can easily inform you about uh, suspicious uh, market behavior somewhere. Uh, I think that is very easy to put in place and it will help you a lot. And uh, we've been doing that within the company. Again, it's, um, it's, also, it's also fun. It gives you direct contact with these markets. Uh, you learn about how things are being done in uh, different places in the world and it gives you better information and it gives you, in the end, I think, a higher level of IP protection. Closely intertwined with IP reporting, another project that you have led through your tenure over 2022 focuses on some key intersections between IP and accounting. 
So accounting issues related to IP appear foreign to a lot of IP practitioners too, just like IP reporting more broadly. What is the value of the company's trademarks? What about the patents or copyrights old? Is the value of those intangible assets reflected anywhere on the company balance sheets, etc.? So those questions can feel daunting or even overwhelming for many of us. What would be, Ziger, your recommendations to start tackling those issues when it comes to inventorying and valuing IP, maybe any materials, standards, training or certifications that can help? So this is a very practical question. Yes, it's a very practical question for a, uh, a complicated matter. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, it. You know, it is part of IP reporting in the sense that this is the financial side of IP reporting. And as lawyers, we're generally not very at ease with things about numbers. It's a bit like uh, water and oil. You can shake it as much as you want, but they never fully mix. We're people working with uh, words and letters, whereas uh, in the accounting world, it's more about numbers. So it is necessary to take a look at it because on those balance sheets, huh, that is naturally where you would find the assets that we are protecting in the IP world. But when we start looking at that, we very often see that there is hardly any value given to it in, um, on the balance sheet uh, in the accounting world. And we early on recognized that there is a, a really big obstacle for good uh, financial IP reporting. And that is that current accounting standards, uh, in many cases, don't allow companies to give a value to their intangible assets. When uh, trademarks are developed in-house, eh, which is, the let's say, the, the, the default case, in that case, it's uh, excluded from giving a value to it. We think that is something uh, that really um, harms creating the insight that we want to have. If intangible assets, if intellectual property does not have a value on the balance sheet, senior management will never look at it. They will neglect the case. They will uh, not be so interested in it. So we think that is a really big obstacle for having this discussion between IP and uh, the finance world. So we have taken a, um, a board resolution. We may talk about it later on as association in which we say we think this is not a good situation and we would like to uh, have a dialogue with whatever constituencies uh, are necessary for that, uh, to discuss that, how we can move forward and how we can perhaps remove this obstacle for better IP reporting. Now, you said we have to stay practical, and I fully agree. What can you do as a, an IP specialist on this? I would say go to the persons within your company that manage the financial part of IP reporting. So that can be the CFO, that can be the accounting department and start that conversation. Uh, ask them the question, where do I find my IP assets? Uh, you spent your whole life uh, protecting them. So you, I would say you have the natural right to ask that question and um, start that dialogue. And I guarantee you it will be interesting because there are very different ways of looking at intellectual property within a company. And uh, they are sometimes completely opposite uh, one to the other. Uh, but it will be enriching, um, and I think it's uh, the right starting point. Uh, and Digger, how does this link to IP valuation, actually? IP valuation is part of it, because when you are able to give a financial value to your intellectual property, it means that you have to make an IP valuation to see what that number is. And in IP valuation, we also think there are a lot of things to develop, 
Currently, there are IP valuation standards, but these standards, they completely exclude legal parameters like distinctiveness or notoriety, levels of enforcement. And so we think as an organization that uh, we may have to insert those. So that is part of our uh, presidential task force on IP reporting uh, to take a look at those uh, IP valuation standards and see what kind of recommendations we can make to make those uh, IP valuations better. Any specific initiatives that you intend to support or lead on behalf of INTA through the end of this year or even beyond? Time is moving fast and we're approaching the end of the year. And so uh, what we expect to do is uh, issuing a report. It can be a draft report or a final report on the work of this presidential task force on IP reporting. And so we will integrate the three elements that we discussed. It will be the uh, IP reporting recommendations in general, but it will also include the elements that we discussed on IP accounting and the IP valuation aspect. The last book you've read and you would recommend to our listeners? In the course of this year, I read the, um, a biography of uh, Thomas Edison, the, the big inventor. And of course, uh, there's a very strong link with intellectual property there. Extremely interesting life this man has had. And uh, I think he has revolutionized several domains in industry or in commerce. And of course, we know uh, it's about the radio. Uh, it's about the light bulb. It's quite extraordinary what this man has accomplished in his life. And uh, uh, I think it's also for IP specialists uh, crucial to know. Eh? We, we all know that he invented the light bulb. And so when we have this symbol that we used globally for uh, innovation and, uh, and inventions that we see a light bulb popping up, it is a direct reference to Thomas Edison. I think it's interesting to realize that. The advice, if any, you would give to the 2023 INTA president, that will be your successor in just a few weeks. It's Joe Marie Fredericks, and we've been working together for several years, so I'm, uh, I'm very happy uh, to pass on uh, this function to her. Uh, and I think it is very important to realize that uh, you have to tap into this pool of experts that we have within INTA, not just the staff, the phenomenal staff who are uh, excellent managers uh, of, in whatever what they do, but it's also uh, the fact that we have all these IP specialists out there, you have to rely on them. They are uh, the real value of this organization. Yeah, the more we, you rely on them, the more you can get done. It's not something you can do alone. You, you're completely dependent on, on others. And the more you let them help you, uh, the more I think you will be successful in, in this role. I think it's um, what we've been doing also with the presidential task force this year. I can especially thank uh, John Plumpy and Katie Sullivan, the, the two co-chairs. Again, they have done all the work. Uh, they have been working with their teams and uh, it's only through teamwork that you can get results. But I'm quite sure that Joe Marie next year uh, will operate in the same way, is already aware of, of this situation. Thank you very much, Ziger, for accepting our invitation. Thank you very much. Thanks also to all the listeners. Be happy to uh, continue our conversation on intellectual property whenever we meet. My guest today was Ziger Vink, the INTS 2022 president, and the IP Director at the MF Brands Group. Thank you for listening to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for new episodes.
If you like today's podcast, please subscribe and share it. We are always looking for new people to discover brand and new. And to learn more about INTA, its resources and events, please visit www.inta.org.